You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks very much for joining us. We start with breaking news in Vancouver where homicide detectives are investigating what appears to be two suspicious deaths in a home in the area of West 64th and Hudson Street. Our Catherine Urquhart is on scene right now and joins us with the latest. Catherine, anything new at the scene? Well, Chris, dozens of officers are here on scene, including members of the Forensic Identification Unit and a number of homicide detectives. Now, police confirmed that two people were found dead inside the house here behind me. It is the blue house that is just on the other side of the trampoline. Now, police say these two deaths are suspicious. Neighbors here very concerned. We never see anything like this going on around here, so I'm, I'm pretty pretty shocked because I see these people often on the street, especially the gentlemen, and I'm, I'm quite shocked. I'm surprised, to be honest. Um, usually these kind of things doesn't happen in uh, this neighborhood. So I don't know, should we be <laughs> worried about it? It's generally, it is a safe neighborhood, and I was talking to a neighbor down on Hudson Street. It was the same block, and like she said, exactly nothing like this happened. So we'll see. Catherine, I know it's early, but uh, any idea what happened here? Chris, police being very cautious about what they say. They're not indicating if they think this could have been a double murder, a murder-suicide, or some type of accident. It is worth noting, though, that no type of warning has been issued to the public, meaning that perhaps the police don't believe that these two deaths are linked to any type of random incident. Chris, back to you. That is telling. Okay, thanks very much, Catherine Urquhart in Vancouver. And new developments now in the story affecting thousands of commuters delayed during the evening rush. A track issue has been causing lengthy delays to SkyTrain service on the Expo line. And we've just learned that issue has been fixed, but you can see the backup that it's caused. This was the scene at Stadium Station a couple of hours ago, and the situation is only just starting to get better. Additional security and transit police are at the stations to ensure passenger safety and crowd control. We'll check in with Trish Jewison, who has been up in Global One with the latest. Trish. Yes, thanks very much, Chris. The uh, SkyTrain problems have been fixed, but this is the unfortunate aftermath. Huge crowds at all the major stations like Stadium, uh, Main Street Science World, and Broadway Commercial. Uh, a lot of extra buses on scene as well, uh, and the bus bridge that was in effect between the stations has been uh, discontinued. So this is what we have now, is huge lineups for uh, transit buses and for the SkyTrains uh, as it continues to work now. Uh, briefly, Canada Line SkyTrain was also shut down, but that's back to normal as well. Back to you, Chris. All, all right. Glad to hear that things are starting, at least, to clear up. That's Trish Jewison of Global One. Thank you, Trish. And a lot of late developments today. More breaking news. Crews are on scene of a fatal accident on the North Shore right now. One person is dead after falling from a cliff in North Vancouver this afternoon. North Shore Rescue was called out to Crown Mountain for a report of people in distress and rescued one person who was stranded on a ledge. The other person had fallen and did not survive. We'll get more details to you when they become available to us as well. Some serious accusations tonight involving a B.C. charity. Global News has learned a Canada Revenue Agency audit of the Islamic Society of B.C. shows tens of thousands of dollars of charitable money 
was spent for personal use. And as Romina Dea explains, that's not the only troubling allegation. If you want to do your investigation or you want to do anything else, if you don't mind, just step to the side. Members of a Port Coquitlam mosque surprised to see at least three security guards on the premises for the first time. You can't tell me if you come every week. It's confidential. What's not confidential is the contents of a Canada Revenue Agency audit done on the Islamic Society of BC obtained by Global News covering the period from October 2010 through September 2013. The CRA said Sadaldin Bar, the former president and imam of the Islamic Society of BC, who's now serving three and a half years in jail for sexual assault, spent $127,000 over three years on a spa, jewelry, video games, hair dye, the list goes on. We thought it's going to charity and people who are in need. I don't think it's like fair or... It's not right. This should be announced and the CRA should inform the community that uh, we are proceeding with action and, you know, to set the uh, thing right. The CRA also detailed concerns the Islamic Society was being controlled or influenced by the Eid Foundation, an overseas charity in Qatar linked to Hamas. The Eid Foundation is alleged to have provided support to terrorism, says the CRA. For its part, the Eid Foundation denies it funds terrorist organizations. In a statement, the lawyer for the Islamic Society said the CRA found no wrongdoing. The evidence was unequivocal in proving that the organization was not involved in any activities involving terrorism. While the CRA concluded it had sufficient grounds to revoke the Islamic Center's charitable status and impose a $126,000 fine for bar spending, it did not. Instead, the CRA opted for a lighter penalty, nine grand for issuing improper donation receipts. That came after the charity said it would remove the director, employ internal controls, improve board oversight and record keeping. Lawyer Mark Bloomberg says CRA penalties need to be more severe. We probably would have a better charity sector if instead of 20 charities a year, they got rid of 40 or 50. Certainly they can. Uh, you know, take a harder line in some of these cases where there is more extreme uh, problems. Well, Romina joins us from the newsroom now. Romina, the CRA obviously didn't re- revoke the charity status. How are they defending that today? Great question, Chris, but we're not able to ask them that because they are not answering our questions about the Islamic Society audit, citing confidentiality. But in general, it says revoking a charity's status is a last resort, and it is only taken if a charity does not take the proper steps to play by the rules. Chris. All right. Thanks very much. Good report, Romina. Fraser Health on the hot seat tonight for the disturbing treatment of an emergency patient at Chilliwack Hospital. She was seriously injured in a hit and run, and investigators are looking into how and why she was forced to leave the hospital with broken bones. And as John Waugh reports, critics say the negligent treatment is not an isolated incident. I'm not a doctor or anything, but I could tell that she was pretty broken up. Broken and in pain. Still, Mary Stewart was told to leave Chilliwack General Hospital or staff would call police. I just can't understand how, with all those injuries, how they could have decided to kick her out of the hospital. Earlier this month, the 55-year-old hit-and-run victim was told she was cleared. Denied pain medication, even a phone call. Instead, sent out in the rain where she spent the night in a back alley. And they ended up having to spend the night there because she couldn't travel and couldn't go over the bumps and stuff. 
Stewart told by a pharmacist the next day she had to go back. While she was gone, hospital staff said test results had come back revealing a broken femur and crushed foot. Fraser Health now reviewing what went wrong. From the moment she came in to the moment she left, uh, talking to every person that uh, you know came in contact with her to find out what happened. I thought, here we go again. Beryl Hunton says her now late husband Victor experienced something similar a half year ago. Discharged from Chilliwack Hospital without a call to family despite having a ruptured artery. 78-year-old left to walk home in a snowstorm. And he was only in pajamas and slippers and freezing rain coming down. Houghton says Fraser Health reviews are pointless. There's too many things go on that they're looking into. Do something about it. Just the latest in a rising number of families concerned with Fraser Health's patient care. Some like the case of Nimrat Gill, leading to a tragic loss of life. We're going to work with Fraser Health to make sure that if there's fundamental or institutional problems, they're addressed and they're addressed right away. Mary Stewart's family says she is seeking legal representation. It just amazes me that people can treat people like that. As families are left wondering what it will take for things at Fraser Health to finally change. John Hua, Global News. Richmond RCMP have arrested a man who's alleged to have stolen luggage from travelers at YVR. The 46-year-old man who was arrested yesterday is accused of stealing bags from the domestic arrival carousels throughout the month of September. He's well known to police. RCMP recommend all travelers get to the baggage claims carousels immediately when you arrive and report any suspicious activity. Two 13-year-olds are facing possible criminal charges in connection with a vandalism spree at a Coquitlam school. It happened earlier this month and the damage tops $10,000. Grace Key is outside Montgomery Middle School where it happened and Grace, will their parents be on the hook for the costs? Well, Chris, the district is not commenting on whether or not the parents are going to be on the hook, but it is certainly something that we have seen in the past. Police have arrested two people they believe are responsible for all this damage to Montgomery Middle School in Coquitlam. Now two 13-year-old boys could face serious criminal charges. We're going to be forwarding a report to Crown Council. Crown will ultimately decide whether to proceed with criminal charges or go with alternative measures. But we want the community to know we've taken this really seriously. The school was vandalized on the night of September 17th. There was extensive damage, including broken windows, computer equipment, a vending machine, and missing fire extinguishers. Damage was estimated at more than $10,000. The district is not commenting on who's paying for it all due to privacy concerns. But there are some strong opinions on who should pick up the tab. I would say the parents are responsible. I uh, don't want to pay for it. I pay enough taxes. They're young enough not to be running around and old enough to know better. So, yeah, that's a tough one. I don't think the parents should be. I think if it's a government school, it should be up to the government to probably pay back for the, the computers or whatever they vandalised. This has come up before. In 2015, a B.C. Supreme Court judge ordered the parents of a Nanaimo teen to pay more than $48,000 in damages. The money goes to the insurer, the B.C. government. The boy played a prank that set off the sprinkler system at Wellington Secondary School. The judge noted the student did not intend to activate the sprinkler system, but a provision under the School Act can hold parents responsible for damages.
The judge was clear that parents really weren't at fault in any sense here. It's simply a legislative provision that holds parents responsible in certain circumstances, regardless of whether they've done uh, anything wrong in the raising of their children. As for the damage, now the repairs aren't completed yet. The district says they are certainly moving as fast as they can to replace some of the broken windows and other items. Chris? All right, we'll see if charges follow. Thank you, Grace. The Ministry of Labor confirms, to, uh, confirms tonight that it's investigating Istuary, a Vancouver tech startup that hasn't paid its employees since May. But workers are asking more questions tonight, frustrated by the lack of answers and what's being done to make the company pay up. Nadia Stewart has more. No answer at this Coquitlam home, a seemingly vacant house, believed to be owned by Istuary founder Ethan Sun. Innovation Labs develops enterprise technology that meets pre-identified demand in fast-growing markets. The company he created in 2013, now under investigation by the Ministry of Labor. BC's Employment Standards branch asking questions after receiving complaints from 122 unpaid workers. Telling Global News they're working through the evidence, it's not clear how long that will take. We feel like we're helpless. We don't have any other options to proceed. For former employees, there is frustration. They haven't been paid since May and don't know whether they'll ever be. It's not about the company that not pay the employees. It's about the rules that we have now that let the companies not pay the employees for four months and still get away with it. Employees who work should be paid for that work. This employment lawyer says under BC law, complaints like those made by estuary employees can have serious consequences. In some cases, acting as a lien against the property of the employer. That can include personal property, that can include real estate, that can include buildings. And so if that business then tries to sell any of those assets, um, that lien is going to take priority over other liens or claims that might be against the business. According to court documents, Sun and his wife owned two properties, both of them in Coquitlam. One of them is currently listed for sale for over $2.6 million. Since then, the company has gone on to raise additional funds. Global News has yet to hear from Sun or any of the senior managers about the employees and their unpaid wages. Our calls on Wednesday remain unanswered. Nadia Stewart, Global News. BC Grizzly Bears get some support from a superstar. If you go down to the woods today... Miley Cyrus is no stranger to supporting wildlife causes, but this time she lends her voice to the call to end the grizzly bear hunt once and for all. The loophole she and others believe should be closed by the NDP government in just over a minute. A driver trapped by rushing water in Oklahoma where heavy rain has caused flooding. We've got the dramatic rescue later on the news hour. And feeling like you're in a midweek fog? You're not alone after this unusual weather phenomenon rolled into town today. What caused it? A little later with Christy. But first, despite the NDP government's decision to end BC's grizzly bear trophy hunt, activists are still fighting what they see as a major gap in the new law. And as Jeff Hastings reports, one of the biggest stars in pop music has added her voice to the opposition. If you go down to the woods today A famous voice lent to a furry cause Save BC Bears Surprise I came in like a 
pop superstar Miley Cyrus, known for wrecking balls and twerking, is doing her bit for BC Bears. Bears are close to her heart. When she came to the Great Bear, she said that it was one of the first animals that she locked eyes with, and she said it changed her forever. The grizzly trophy hunt has been discontinued by the NDP government. After this season, and much to the chagrin of the Guide Outfitters Association of BC. But anti-hunt activists argue there's a grizzly-sized hole in the legislation. Hunters can still bring down the bears for meat outside the Great Bear Rainforest. What is a trophy? If they can no longer take the hide, if they no longer can take the head, um, does the trophy now become the photo? Does it become the process? Is it the thrill that kills still there? They're still getting the entire process of the hunt done. The BC NDP are able to enact the law because the BC Greens are lining up behind them in the legislature. Green leader Andrew Weaver has his concerns about the new rules. The urban environmentalists want to ban on grizzly hunting. Uh, hunters want to be able to hunt and hunt for meat, but they don't want to waste an animal. They want to believe that the trophy is the animal. They want to harvest all the, the whole animal. And the NDP position is like, you can't have the skin and head. Like, it's just weird. The reason why I am here is I want to see the wolf call ended. This isn't the first time Miley Cyrus has stuck up for BC wildlife, speaking out against a wolf call in 2015. It started a conversation, which is exactly the point of this latest exercise. The BC NDP did not provide comment. Jeff Hastings, Global News. The tragic death of a service dog last week along the Sea to Sky Highway has given birth to a new campaign hoping to prevent similar tragedies in the future. Kaoru was accidentally shot by a hunter in a place popular with hikers and dog owners, between Squamish and Whistler. She and her owner were less than 200 metres from the highway when it happened. The current no-shooting and hunting zone stretches from North Vancouver to Squamish, but an online petition is asking the Forest Ministry to extend that zone all the way to Whistler. So far, it's approaching 10,000 signatures. A major announcement expected tomorrow in Canadian broadcasting. Apparently, Netflix plans to spend as much as half billion dollars over the next five years to fund original Canadian content. Oh. Ottawa has been under pressure to impose the same Canadian production rules on Netflix that govern traditional broadcasters, but Netflix has always lobbied against that. The new agreement came after public consultations last year. Victoria Real Estate hitting new heights. We're starting to see a tremendous change. Preserving a piece of the city's history comes with a record-setting price tag. And he was held for months in North Korea and died shortly after being released. Why the mystery of what happened to Otto Warmbier may never be solved. Even many of those with a steady paycheck will tell you living in Vancouver is unaffordable. And sadly, some industry experts say if you cashed in thinking the bubble was about to burst, you might just be out of luck when it comes to getting back in. Lynn Collier explains why some say this is the new reality. There seems to be a new house popping up in every block. This brand new listing is in Vancouver's Dunbar neighborhood, a five-bedroom, five-bathroom, custom-designed, 4,000-square-foot home. This is what it looked like in March 2016. It sold for $3.388 million. Nine months later, that home was torn down and rebuilt. Now it's listed at $7.138 million. I've been here since 1988 uh, on this block, and uh, never in my wildest imagination would I think that real estate prices are what they are today. But Gab's one of the lucky ones. He's in the market. It's his son he worries about. I mean, he wants to be here, but... Uh, 
you know, it's going it's to be determined by what kind of job he gets. Let's face it, you need a certain income now to live in this in this general area, and in fact, the whole Lower Mainland. And it, it really concerned me. I mean, where will where will my kids live? Will they be in you know be able to be in general proximity to us? And it's to me, it's changed the fabric of our city. According to Century 21, this is the new normal. Vancouver is now tied with New York on condo prices per square foot and comparable to San Francisco on single-family homes. This is the new reality as far as I'm concerned. I, I don't think there's an end to this. I think that uh, looking at cities like ours, like Hong Kong, like Toronto, um, they continue to go up. They don't come down. And uh, I think that's very evident here in Vancouver. Locals are being priced out of their childhood cities, and, and that's a big problem um, and causing a lot of anger and angst. But Josh says it can be fixed, specifically with a surtax. You need to make it less attractive for uh, global investors who can benefit from low property taxes and all the benefits that come from the income taxes that we pay and free ride off of those income taxes. But real estate experts say when you become a world-class city, the world wants to live here. Lynn Collier, Global News. And if you need more evidence of the booming luxury market, check out what's happening in Victoria. Government Street is in for a major facelift with the redevelopment of Customs House. The project has been green-lighted and demo is about to begin. The Heritage Building will be stripped down and rebuilt. The walls will remain original. The grand opening is expected in about two years and interest is already growing. And when we're, when we're finished with it, it will be a, a, an enhanced streetscape, uh, creating terrific stores, street fronts, and it'll have beautiful residences here that um, we are getting people from all over the world uh, expressing interest and purchasers coming from all over the world. The 57 units start at just over half a million dollars and go all the way up to over 10 million for the penthouse. A fog bank fooled many into thinking there was a big fire in Vancouver today. Take a look. It rolled through parts of downtown this afternoon. This is a time lapse, so we sped it up. People saw it in False Creek and around Stanley Park, underneath the Lionsgate Bridge. Meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now with more on this unusual sight for this time of year. Christy. Thanks, Chris. Yes, so we all know fog is common in the fall. It's the longer, cool nights that can cause condensation and our foggy mornings. But it's pretty rare to see it move in midday on such a warm day. And the reason? A large swath of fog actually developed early this morning when it was cooler up near Powell River. And there was just enough of a breeze to push it down to Vancouver, down the strait, before the sun actually had a chance to evaporate it. All gone now? All gone now. All right. We'll but check. we could see it again tomorrow. All right. Well, it was, uh, it was fascinating for a lot of people. Thanks very much, Christy. We'll check in a little bit later as well. A health mystery hitting thousands of adults. It's very concerning because there aren't any warning signs. What you're most likely to become allergic to later in life. And baffling conclusions from the coroner add to questions about what happened to an American held in North Korea. Caught on dash cam video, a crash involving a Connecticut bus. A car misses the turn and sideswipes the bus, sending it towards the curb and joggers scrambling out of the way. The impact also threw the bus's passengers around. The bus driver, a passenger, and one person in the car were injured. The mystery is deepening around what happened to American student Otto Warmbier, who died after he was released from captivity in North Korea. His parents broke their silence yesterday, claiming he was tortured. 
But tonight, information from the coroner who examined his body is raising some new questions. Tonight, the coroner going public for the first time about 22-year-old American Otto Warmbier's mysterious death, just days after returning from captivity in North Korea. There were a few small scars that we documented. She says there's evidence of a breathing tube, notes scars on Warmbier's knees, ankle, feet, and arms, including a tracheotomy scar, but no way of knowing when that procedure was done. I mean, could that have been torture at the time? We, we don't know. We don't know what happened to him. And that's, that's the bottom line. His parents he describing his horrific condition to Fox News to Tuesday. Comfort him. They kidnapped Otto. They tortured him. They intentionally injured him. Only days later, he died from complications of a long-term brain injury caused by lack of oxygen. The parents also say their son's teeth were damaged. It looked like someone had taken a pair of pliers and rearranged his bottom teeth. Although the coroner says a forensic dentist saw no evidence of that. At the parents' request, no autopsy was performed, but the coroner says an autopsy would not reveal more than their rigorous post-mortem exams, including a CT scan. I wish we had some answers, and, you know, I wish, I know that the family is looking for answers, but at this point, we're never going to know. Unless his captors come forward and reveal what they did to Otto Warmbier in prison. Andrea Mitchell, NBC News, New York. The fallout continues tonight from an American decision to slap a huge duty on a jet made by Montreal-based Bombardier. The 219% tariff was in response to a complaint by competitor Boeing, which claimed Bombardier receives government subsidies. Bombardier calls the duty absurd and vows to fight the ruling. A dramatic rescue in Oklahoma City when floodwaters overwhelmed a vehicle trying to cross a flooded road. The driver's vehicle was washed off the road with only a small guardrail keeping her from plunging into a lake. First responders used an inflatable dinghy on a tether to get to her and pull her to safety. She was wet and cold, but otherwise uninjured. In Health Matters tonight, a sneak preview of a new facility at BC Women's Hospital that's the first of its kind in North America. As Linda Aylesworth reports, the new neonatal intensive care unit will overcome one of the most difficult challenges for mothers of having a baby with serious health problems. Welcome to BC Women's Hospital's much-anticipated and soon-to-be-opened neonatal intensive care unit. One of the things that really makes this room unique is, of course, the maternal bed. And so mothers are actually receiving their postpartum care in the same room as their babies. That probably doesn't seem like a big deal, unless you're familiar with what the current NICU is like. Large rooms with many babies, very close quarters, very little privacy for parents, and uh, very busy, noisy, and a lot of light. Hillary remembers it well, even though it's been 12 years since her son Joshua was born prematurely at BC Women's. I walked into this room with all of these babies and all of this intensive care and things beeping. So right away I started to feel frightened and anxious. Hillary spent as much time as she could with her son, even though she was undergoing postpartum care on another floor. I had to get a wheelchair, go down a hallway, go down an elevator, go down another hallway. 
scrub up and go into the NICU. And she asked us a hard question. Why can't I get my care in the same room with my baby? So this is one, this is one baby's space. It's a hard question because in the course of researching other pediatric NICUs, like this one in Colorado a few years ago, they had seen lots of private rooms for sick infants, but none that incorporated maternal postpartum care. The more they looked into it, the more sense it made. Uh, separation for, of mothers from their babies is the number one stressor in the literature that has definitely, we know, that has impacts on babies and mothers. The new 70-bed facility opens on October 29th. We anticipate that mothers will be ready for discharge earlier and also that babies' length of stay may be less. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Also in Health Matters tonight, if you found yourself suddenly developing a food allergy as an adult, you're not alone. A new study shows a 300% increase in adult-onset food allergies over the past 10 years. The most common are shellfish and peanut allergies, and they often come on quickly with no warning. As to why they're increasing, well, researchers don't know. But they say there's also a troubling increase in allergic reactions so severe that adults have to go to the emergency room. An airline promising a cheaper way to fly. We believe there's room for one major ULCC in Canada. Canada's new ultra-low-cost carrier and what you don't get for the price of a ticket. And an officer goes above and beyond the call of duty to rescue a skunk. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. I got you. Pretty delicate situation for a police officer trying to help a skunk that got its head stuck in a cup. We'll show you how it ended right after Christie's forecast. Aww. That's right. Yes, Christie's here, and uh, it's going to feel like summer tomorrow. It sure is. And very similar to what we saw today. It's terrific conditions. But I know we talked about it earlier, the little bit of fog. Again, the nights are cool enough and they're long enough that we could see a bit of fog redevelop overnight. Just patchy fog. This is the scene out there right now. Spectacular. Expect a similar sunset again tomorrow as temperatures heat up. These were our highs today. Chilliwack was actually the hot spot across the province today at 28 degrees. These temperatures are well above normal. Not record-breaking, though. Near the water, we saw a range from about 19 to uh, 24 in West Vancouver, obviously, but uh, near the water even. Now, we have one more warm day on the way with this upper-level ridge still stationed right over our region, but quickly on Friday, that's going to break down as this cold front shifts on shore. Cooler temperatures, more rain set to push in, so yes, Chris said he was going to hit the beach tomorrow. I hope you do something like that, too. This is the day that you want to take advantage of. This may be the last summer-like day uh, that we'll see for quite some time. Now, North Coast regions, you'll see the change tomorrow with periods of rain headed for your region. Uh, Prince George, Quinnell, one more nice day. You'll see the change on Friday. Meanwhile, the southern interior, Friday's not looking too bad for your area as well. The change will happen for you on Saturday. But incredible temperatures, 29 in Kamloops tomorrow, 29 in expected out towards Chilliwack, Abbotsford as well. Plenty of sunshine, but again, we could see some morning fog. And then it will be Friday that we'll see a, a big change. The cold front switching in, dropping the temperatures, bringing in the rain. But it looks like we re rebound a little bit as we head into our weekend. One 
lady celebrating a birthday today, Nancy Leatherdale from Salmon Arm, and she's actually a family friend of mine. I know her grandchildren, Allison and Christina. Uh, so congratulations to you, Nancy, and our weather window tonight coming to you from the set of Deadpool. Uh, Ryan Reynolds kindly let us come in from, uh, brought Tristan from the Ronald McDonald House, and he met, missed the last visit, unfortunately, because he was too sick. So Ryan opened the doors, let him in today, and also gave him a little bit of training there with Oh. with a signed sword as they were getting their photo shoot done. So very cool. Thanks to Ryan and nice work, Tristan. No doubt. Glad he bounced back and got a chance yeah. to meet him after all. Okay, thanks very much, Christy. What would you do if you came across a skunk with its head stuck in a cup? Officer David McKinnon <laughs> oh, no, in Southern Maine on. decided to help. Undeterred by the obviously unpleasant way it could have gone all sideways. Oh, po, po, po. Here we go. There we go. See, you're okay. You're okay. Yep, yeah, I'm just okay. <laughs> As he backs quickly off. The skunk did take a few steps towards McKinnon, maybe just to say thanks, though. Years. It ended up scampering away and obviously didn't use its natural oh means God. of self-defense. But nice job. I think he officer. thought about it for a second. He did. Yeah. Tail was up. Like, what's with that dude? Yeah. Oh, I guess he helped me out. Yeah. <laughs> We had to save a, a skunk from our garbage can one time. He couldn't get out. Oh. And I think they know. They know you're trying to help them. Are you sure? I think so. Did they so. spray you? No. Oh, okay, good. That's, good. That's a good thing. Good thing. Uh, Squire's here now. All kinds of crazy stuff going on in uh, NCAA basketball, but happy for some good news in the Canucks camp. Well, yes. Uh, at practice today, Bo Horvat was back on the ice. Seems to be, you know, seems to be going well, and um, I'm hoping to get back in the lineup um, by the first game. He has the upper body injury, may stay out the rest of the preseason. If he does that, he wants to be ready for when the games count for real. And also coming up, how WestJet plans to swoop in and steal more air travelers. Yes, yes. Yes, midweek, midweek tilt for the Whitecaps. I know, Exciting. and, then, and then it's, now it gets rough for the Whitecaps. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is going to be a tough finish for them. If you thought getting back in the first place in the West after what was a rough start to the season was easy or wasn't easy, I should say, holding on to first for the Whitecaps is going to be even tougher. As Chris just mentioned, tonight, Seattle, four of their last five regular season games are on the road. And after tonight's game, they have to go to Kansas City and play on Saturday. Now, Vancouver is only one point ahead of Kansas City and Portland. They're four up on Seattle. So right now, the West is anybody's race. And as we said... Of those teams, I think the Caps have the toughest finishing schedule. Let's take a look, shall we? There you see it. Look at the four road games, all against tough teams. Seattle, KC, the Red Bulls won't be easy. Portland certainly won't be easy at home. The only home game Vancouver gets is San Jose. It's more than likely the Caps make the playoffs. If they make it as a first-place team, they're going to need a huge stretch run. So after hurting his shoulder in the first of the two China games, Bo Horvat was back at practice this morning for the Canucks, giving everyone hope he will be ready to go when the regular season starts October 7th. Now, the Canucks have two exhibition games left. Tomorrow against Calgary, Saturday against Edmonton. They're both at Rogers Arena. I do not think Horvat will play in either one. We already know he's making the team. He's needed for when the games are real. So why not give him some rest? He says he should be ready for the regular season. 
I'm pretty confident. I think everybody in the room is confident that I'll, I'll be uh, most likely back for uh, for the seventh. Um, I mean, that's our goal, and, and it seems you know progress is going well right now. And I think the main thing is soreness. Um, you know, I have I have like strength, I have mobility and stuff in my uh, my upper body. It's just the fact that um, you know keeping it. You know, I want to be 100% before I get back in the lineup, especially in preseason. You don't want to you don't want to push things too hard and, and not be you know re-injure it before before the actual season starts. Now, Bo Horvat said this is the most competitive Canucks camp he has ever seen, and that means this young man, Jake Furtanen, starting the season in Vancouver is not going to be easy for him. Even though he has played pretty well in the preseason, the big thing about Vertanen, and I know we've talked about him a lot, is this summer he was really focused on what he had to do to impress management. In fact, he barely left the Abbotsford Chilliwack area where he's from during the summer months. He stayed away from the distractions of Vancouver. He, better than most of the Canuck players, knows what Travis Green wants because Travis Green was his coach in Utica last season. When Jake Vertanen was sent to the minors last year, he became one of Travis Green's biggest projects in Utica. So one of the first things he asked Jake to do was to come in early and stay late. Uh, well, right when I got there, I mean, like, he had me doing, I'd work out in the morning with the team before practice, and then I would work out at nighttime, and then he would show me video as well at night. We felt Jake needed to put in extra time, and you know, we just felt that coming back and doing a workout at night would help him. The Canucks believe Vertanen can still be the power forward they envisioned when they drafted him in 2014. The knock, of course, is Jake has not done enough to be a Canuck regular. In Travis Green, he has a coach who played in the NHL after spending time in the minors himself. He also has a coach who believes in communicating what Jake needs to do to make it. You know, I sat down with him lots every other, pretty much every every other day. Like he would tell me the good positives and and the negatives, but it was like I was learning from that, and I I, I just worked on what I was good at and. Uh, I just kept improving on that. I, I think every player on the team is looking for direction. I don't think that ever changes from a play, from the great players to the young players. They they need direction. Um, but yeah, Jake. You know, we all know that he needs to get better. Uh, he has. He's gotten better. I like the way he looks right now. Um, but we're we're still really early here. If Johnny Manziel is to play quarterback in the CFL, it's not going to happen until next year, if it happens at all. Hamilton has his CFL rights. He has talked to the Ticats. He's worked out for them. He has had a talk with the CFL commissioner, too. The commission wants a clean and sober Manziel before he is a CFL quarterback. He has had trouble in the past with substance abuse. In fact, he was suspended for four games in the NFL because of it. Manziel, of course, won the Heisman as a top American college football player in 2012 when he was at Texas A&M. A lot of people think his style is similar to Doug Flutie, who was one of the greatest CFL quarterbacks ever, but he needs to get his head together first. All right, Chelsea, Atletico Madrid. Atletico Madrid has never lost a home game against the English side. They started with a 1-0 lead. Then Alvaro Morata ties it. And then watch the passing late in the game by Chelsea. He's not going to have a shot. Marcus Alonso is not going to have a shot. Conte, Bakayoko, it's nicely played by Chelsea. Alonso, Batshuayi! Chelsea have won it with virtually the last kick. That's amazing. That was great. Well, it was... And a 2-1 win for Chelsea in that one. Uh, because 
of the FBI investigation into fraud and corruption in the college basketball. Legendary Louisville head coach Rick Pitino was placed on unpaid leave by his school today, which his lawyers said was the equivalent of him being fired. Pitino has not been charged with anything, and his name never came up during the FBI's press conference yesterday. But it has been discovered that Louisville's basketball program is part of this investigation, and that was enough for those who run the university to ask Patino to step aside. There you go. Not a happy day for that storied program. No, sure. but Patino has always been kind of on the edge of things before. and That's true. Now That's true. He, uh, he's out. All right. Thanks very much, Squire. Jay Durant is in. Let's check in with him for a preview of Global News at 11. Jay? Thank you very much, Chris. We'll have the very latest on the suspicious deaths in Vancouver as well as this afternoon's rush hour SkyTrain meltdown. Plus, new details on that tragedy on Crown Mountain. Two men were climbing the North Vancouver peak this afternoon when one of them fell more than 30 metres to his death, how the other survived. And the park board holding an open house on its Van Splash aquatic strategy, the long-term vision for city pools and beaches over the next decade. Those stories and much more coming up tonight at 11, Chris. They love it in Berlin. We'll see if we get it here. All right. Thanks very much, Jay. Would you pay less to fly in a pink plane? You might. We'll tell you the details next. Carrier, the airline banking on enough Canadians willing to pay for the seat, pay less for the seat, and more for everything else. WestJet is the latest airline to swoop in with the promise of cheaper airfare. Well, at the end of the day, it's, it's a 50% lower fare. Uh, you add in the expected take rates for ancillary and extras, and you are down more in about a 30% category. Meaning you pay for your seat. Beyond that, you can tack on or bundle other features. Bookings for Swoop will start in February, and the ultra-low-cost carrier will be based in Calgary like its parent company. We're effectively looking at households under $110,000 a year and a lot of millennials and giving them the opportunity to travel for leisure, visit family and friends or take more trips. Newer aircraft under two years old will be used. Swoop will leverage WestJet's existing infrastructure and supplier agreements. They're looking to acquire 10 aircraft within a one-year launch period. It's a 189-seat aircraft. It does need some population density. Southern Ontario has 8.5 million people. Southern BC has 2.5 million people. Jetlines announced its intent to dip into the ultra-low-cost airspace. Flair is already operating out of several markets and recently announced Toronto, Vancouver and Kelowna as planned additions. And Air Canada has Rouge. Canadian investors have been very reluctant to uh, put money into airline startups in this country because there is a cage right now with two 400-pound gorillas in it. One's Air Canada, one's WestJet. Each of them are sitting on more than a billion dollars in cash, and they can certainly make life very, very difficult for a wannabe startup. Well, it's a good idea, I guess. You know, there's lots of competition out there. It's enormous for people to fly and get to where they need to go. The flight experiences today are nothing like they were 10 years ago, so you've already lost everything, so what's the difference? As for WestJet, they're confident Swoop will do just that, bringing in consumers looking to nab a deal. Look at all the characteristics of the market, and we believe there's room for one major ULCC in Canada. Uh, we will be it. Shalima Maharaj, Global News. I zoned out at less leg room. Like, how can that, how can that even happen? I, I have no idea how anybody over, I don't know, 5'8 flies.